story. Hello, and welcome everybody to a very special edition of Third Degree Burn. Uh, I am David, who is joined by John. Say hello, John. Hey. And by Kirk. Good morning. Well, welcome. I'm so excited because we are part of a massive podcast crossover event covering everyone's favorite massive Marvel event. Maybe that's stretching it a bit. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Acts of Vengeance, uh, which uh, if you're not familiar with Acts of Vengeance, this was a uh, line-wide crossover event that started at the end of 1989. I think it was like around December and then it ended uh, in February or March of, of 1990. But it touched every single book, um, as was the norm back in the day. You know, if, if they had an event, everybody had to take part in it. I will say mm-hmm. they're getting better about that now, but only recently, where they're not including every book. Uh, but yeah, so Acts of Vengeance is like 60 issues. It's huge. You know, like I said, it touches every single you know, a comic that was coming out. And uh, we're here today to talk about uh, Wolverine, Volume 2, Issue Number 19, uh, which uh, has a great cover uh, by John Byrne, featuring uh, Tiger Shark and Wolverine fighting uh, in the ocean. And Wolverine's not looking too good. He's got a whole bunch of air bubbles coming out like uh, like he can't breathe. Hmm. Tiger Shark's got him by a chokehold from behind. Yes. So we're going to dive into number 19. We will also be covering number 20, but not in this show. uh, Because as you can imagine, because this is a a massive podcast crossover event, um, these episodes are going to come out as the comics were published. So we'll be going through them in, in order. And so our two issues that we'll cover will be slotted in as they were published, along with the rest of... Um, the teams that are out there recording uh, for your listening pleasure now. So just for those who, I guess by now, they probably know what Acts of Vengeance was, but um, just in case someone's just popping in because they want to listen to different things out of order or just like certain topics, um, basically Acts of Vengeance was Loki wanting to destroy the Avengers, uh, got a bunch of villains together, Doctor Doom, Kingpin, Magneto, Mandarin, Red Skull, and the Wizard, and then they pitted uh, lesser villains against <laughs> other superheroes that they hadn't normally fought against. Uh, and then I imagine that... Uh, yeah, the, so, the, the hope there being that because they were fighting a villain that they weren't used to fighting, that that would give them an edge against yeah. the hero. Yeah. And Loki started this whole thing, like you said, and he did it because he blamed himself for causing the formation of the Avengers. Which he did. Which he did. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and so he felt it was his responsibility to end them. And he was going to do that through this Acts of Vengeance and, uh, as John said, pitting our heroes against uh, uh, villains that they were not used to battling in the, the hope that that would throw them off and allow uh, the villain to win over our hero. So let's dive the concept, in. Yeah, go ahead. The concept was originally, as I understand it, from John Byrne, who said at a couple of plotting conventions or maybe comic conventions with fans, but he said, you know, if if these guys were smart, they just change partners. They just same thing as strangers on a train. Oh, we'll swap murders. I'll murder your wife, you murder my mother. Same sort of concept. And so he he'd 
um, spoken about this once or twice. And then somebody took him seriously in some, you know, as they were plotting this. And he says, well, you know, here's a, here's the idea that everybody, you know, makes this inner circle and then they all change partners. Everybody steps one, one team to the right and they're not going to anticipate, they're not going to expect this attack out of the blue by someone that they have no grudge from. And therefore, you know, that's where the initial concept came from. And I think based on that simple concept, this works really well. I think Acts of Vengeance, uh, despite what you said earlier, I think it's very well received because it is such a pure and simple concept. And rather than being just a one-note joke, it then unravels and it goes places where you're not expecting. As we go through these, what, 60 issues or so, some are, are good crossovers, some are barely a touchstone, a tie-in. Right. Um, our story is, is, I would say, more of a, uh, uh, a tie-in, not really a true crossover, but we can get into that in a moment. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And so let's let's do that. So we're uh, going to start with Wolverine number 19. Uh, this was published in December of 1989. Our editor-in-chief is Tom DeFalco. Uh, cover artist, as I said earlier, is John Byrne. The title is called Heroes and Villains. Our writer for this is- issue is Archie Goodwin. The penciler is John Byrne, although that's debatable because in both the Omnibus and the <laughs> Digital Edition, it says he just did layouts. Mm-hmm. doesn't actually credit him as, as the penciler. So de- depending on what source you're looking at, if you're looking at an online database or you're looking in your Marvel Universe by John Byrne, um, there's conflicting information. Based on some of the art in these issues, I would say that it, it seems more likely that, that Byrne did the layouts. I agree. That's what he's credited with in at least 19, and as I turn to 20, same thing. Yep. We've got Klaus Jansen on inks. Uh, our colorist is Mike Rockwitz and uh, letterer Jim Novak. So heroes and villains. Uh, let's run through our synopsis here. When we open the book, we see that Logan arrives in Terra Verde, uh, which if you don't speak Spanish, that's Greenland or Land Green, depending on how you want to read it, in a most peculiar way, walking straight out of the ocean and up the coast into the capital city. When he gets to the docks, a brutal fight is already in progress between La Bandera and Tiger Shark. When it looks as though La Bandera has won, Tiger Shark surprises her and is about to finish her when Wolverine attacks him from behind. His suit cut open and losing water, Tiger Shark flees into the ocean and disappears. After the fight, Wolverine and La Bandera walk through the streets of the city. Wolverine learns that La Bandera has come to Terra Verde from Miami, Florida, to put a stop to the drug trafficking, which had destroyed her family in the past. In the process, La Bandera has become a symbol of hope for the suppressed lower class of Terra Verde. Despite her seemingly noble cause, Wolverine urges her to leave the city now, sending her off. As he passes by a bar, Wolverine spots an old friend from back in his Canadian intelligence days, Jack Bascombe. Bascombe tells him about the questionable upbringings of La Bandera, her father being in the inner circle of Fidel Castro in Cuba, and warns him to stay out of things he hasn't been involved in for a long time. Bascombe then abruptly leaves in a taxi. Meanwhile, New York City, Kingpin speaks to President Caridad on a television screen. Caridad uh, raves about Kingpin sending the villain Tiger Shark into his country to kill La Bandera. Not to be troubled with Caridad, Kingpin ends the conversation quickly more concerned about keeping a hold of his Miami drug trafficking ring 
than the needs of a Central American leader. Kingpin leaves the room and enters another where Dr. Doom, Magneto, and Red Skull stand, waiting for him. Back in Porto Verde, Caradad complains to Geist about Kingpin, the fighting between La Bandera and Tiger Shark, his mission to find a hero for his country, and how his wife, Sister Salvation, still refuses to see him. Overwhelmed, Caradad complains further about a migraine. Wishing to help, Geist suggests that the president allow himself to be shaved by him. Caradad agrees, and while being shaved, listens to the reports of his research team. The research team explains that the cocaine, which is causing the superhuman effects, is coming from a certain area called El Jardin del Rey, a mountainside found in many legends that claim it had been bombarded by falling stars and had been the place where a deity had fallen in battle. However, outside of legends, the scientists cannot find a reasonable exp explanation for the cocaine's effects. All done, Cardad leaves Geist and the room. Suddenly, Wolverine comes crashing through the window and throws Geist against the wall. Before he has time to grab a hold of a gun, Geist's hand is smashed by Wolverine, who demands that he take him to Roughhouse. Elsewhere, Cardad tries to convince his ex-wife, Sister Salvation, to assist him in his experimentation with Roughhouse. Now, after a significant amount of testing, Roughhouse has started to break out in sores. However, he's still alive and grows stronger with every dose of cocaine he's given. Suddenly, an explosion rocks the entire place and La Bandera appears with a mass of civilians armed and ready to fight. Meanwhile, Wolverine and Geist travel through an underground tunnel system, attempting to get to the hospital where Roughhouse is being held. Along the way, Wolverine explains what he knows about Geist, that he was one of Adolf Hitler's main advisors, survived war crimes by working with the American OSS to defect uh, German rocket scientists, and how he worked with some of the more shadier American CIA missions and projects. As the two enter the lower levels of the hospital, they can hear La Bandera's attack. Supposedly, she had discovered that the hospital was being used to experiment on political prisoners. Moments later, Tiger Shark emerges from the water below the catwalk. Wolverine stands on and pulls him into the water. As the two fight under the surface, Geist reveals that he was the one who leaked the information about the hospital and political prisoners to draw out La Bandera for Tiger Shark. Running out of air, Wolverine makes for a pipeline underwater, hoping that the pipe ends before his air does. The pipe empties out into the ocean, but before Wolverine can get to the surface, Tiger Shark has him again and pins him into the ground. Whew. That's a lot that happens in one 24-page comic. Yes. <laughs> Next issue, buried at sea. Yes. I don't think it's going to go well for Wolverine. <laughs> no, he's he's in a bad state at the end of this issue. Uh, Tiger Shark, as as I said, slams him into a coral reef, his claws out, and and Wolverine is stuck. Uh, before we get into the issue, I do want to talk about Bandera because I uh, remember reading this book when I was ten or eleven. This would have been one of the ones I grabbed off off the shelf. I was a big Wolverine fan at this time. Okay. I didn't remember reading this book when I was rereading it again. I was like, I know I read this. And the reason I know that for sure is because issue number 20, I love that cover. For some reason, that just resonated with me. 19 is good, but 20 <laughs> is like one of the ones I really like. But I had to look up Bandera because I was like, who the heck is this woman? Because one, she's she's got kind of these odd powers that they really don't explain all that well. And this is her first appearance. So it's not like I was missing something. Um, so I looked her up, and her powers are empathy, 
so La Bandera has the mutant ability to influence the emotions of others, which she uses to enhance emotions of nationalism. Like, okay, that's kind of <laughs> odd. Um, energy projection. She can also channel energy blasts through her staff, the strength of which may be dependent on how many people she is currently inspiring. So she's kind of these weird powers, and it's it's not really made clear. Like, is, does she have like you know some kind of you know her her skin is tougher than normal or something? Because she's fighting Tiger Shark, and Tiger Shark mm-hmm. and Wolverine mentions that Tiger Shark is like on the same power level as like uh, Namor. So I just I don't know I got confused with her because I'm like he should have easily dispatched her no problem. Yeah, I I think that was underway. That was what he saw happening uh, on the dock, and that's why he stepped in. So if you want to know more about her, there really isn't much to know. She appears in the two issues that will cover 19 and 20, and then she unceremoniously meets her demise in Wolver- or, sorry Captain America number 442. She actually dies off panel, <laughs> so she doesn't even get you know, uh, killed in, in a panel. She's, uh, along with many others, uh, meets her end uh, off panel. So she's she's not long for this world, unfortunately, if you really like her. Yeah. And you know what they say, if there's no body, they aren't really dead. <laughs> well, and even nowadays, it doesn't matter. There can be a body, and they're still going to bring him back. So, yeah. But... Yeah, I was a little confused because I didn't know that this was when I first read. I didn't read this off the off the rack. I was um, uh, I was kind of in my non. I was a very selective comic base, so it was very selective as to what I would get. And Wolverine was not one of them. So uh, when I was reading this now, I was like, "Who's this La Bandera? I've never heard of her before." And I thought she had been introduced somewhere else. So I was a little bit shocked that it was her first appearance. Um, so very interesting. And I had no idea what her powers were. I know they referenced powers. And I was like, what is her power? She, she likes star girl. Now she just funnels it through the staff or, but it kept running out of power. So I thought maybe the staff had the power and she was, it needed a recharge or something. Right. So it was a little bit confusing to me. I'm warning you. What's he do? Nibble your bum? He's got huge, sharp. He can leap about. Look at the bones. It was confusing. And before we go through and kind of look at the the, the artwork in the comic, um, Kirk, what what did you think of this issue overall? Did you did you like it? Oh, I recognized that it was a setup to a great cliffhanger, um, but it, it doesn't. Hmm. How to put this tactfully. Uh, if you were reading Wolverine and following this series, which I was not, we're right in the middle of like a seven-part arc. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you, you'd be following along with that. And the fact that Tiger Shark shows up is interesting because, oh, he's, he's a brutal killer. And Wolverine is, is you know, especially, um, you know, graphic. And, and you know, they seem to be matched in terms of temperament to some degree. But... Um, you know, Tiger Shark is a Namor villain, and there's no reason to have thought that he was going to show up in this series. So that that's the act of vengeance tie-in, I suppose. Right. Um, as for the actual tie-in to the main central story, um, John and I were just talking about this. There's exactly one page uh, that ties in <laughs> uh, with a kingpin when he yep. he's, uh, terminates his video conference and then steps into what we recognize as the uh, the meeting room 
that's in uh, limbo. And that's it. I mean, if that's enough for a tie-in, okay, it, it meets the criteria. But I don't consider this a crossover um, because there are no other heroes that cross over. Right. We have the introduction of her, and that's fine. And and I, I'm not sure how I got this, but because I've only read these issues, uh, and just recently in the, in the omnibus. But uh, I got that she's funneling her power from the uh, attitude of the crowd. And the more worked up they are, the more power she's got. And if they back off or fall away, her power level drops back off. So her role is to inspire. Interesting. And I that's that up. That's that's exactly how it plays out. I don't know what the staff is, but you know, if the crowd is with her and inspired, uh, then she becomes stronger. Uh, so it's sort of a positive feedback loop, and vice versa. If right. they get discouraged or get knocked out, then or her killed. levels drop back. Or killed. <laughs> or then, and which is what Wolverine is cautioning her about. Yep. You're going to get people killed. Um, and I'm not sure how he knows that, but he's supposed to be the, the old salt of all voice of reason here, right. I think. Well, I think so, that's, that's what he talks about, that, you know, that she's very young and... and um, uh, idealistic idealistic yes thank you and that you know he i think he's cautioning her she doesn't really know what she's getting these people into now while she may right. have some powers they don't right and you know you could be leading them all to your death and of course she doesn't take that counsel and uh that comes back later to uh to be proven true so mm-hmm. let's dive into this uh if you've got your marvel universe by john byrne uh volume one this starts uh, almost at the very end of the book, page uh, I think 946. Right. Yep. I will That's say. That's I'm reading from. <laughs> well, I the read the Vagrant Killer. Yeah, yeah. I read this in both formats, so I have Marvel Unlimited. Sometimes it's easier. It's not in an omnibus, and I don't want to go down and pull it out of my long box. I'll pull it up on Marvel Unlimited. So I read it in there, but I also read it in the omnibus. The colors are much better. And the detail is much better in the omnibus than the scans or however they reproduced it digitally for Marvel Unlimited. So I'll just throw that out there. The, really? the art, yeah, the artwork is not stellar in either case, but <laughs> it looks better in the omnibus than it does in the uh, Marvel Unlimited. Mm-hmm. All right, so we get the uh, Tony Stark stand-in making out with a, a Mary Jane stand-in there <laughs> on the beach. Yeah, that's a pretty shocking introduction. You get the classic kicking the sand in there yep. in his face. Um, <laughs> yeah, but as is... far as adult content, this you know, if you didn't already know that Wolverine was intended for a mature audience, this this helps to drive it home. No pun intended. <clears throat> yeah, we see him coming out of the ocean. He's got, um, you know, his his cap on his fedora, and of course, you know, his uh, sicalero. Or his little well, cigar. It's, yeah, it's nice if he came up out of the ocean that um, his cigarettes are still <laughs> able to be smoked. <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I think I think it's significant. He's not in his outfit. He's not in his costume. No. He's in civvies. And I don't know if that means that he's invading or having not read the issue before in any great detail. I don't know. You know, we're just picking up the story yeah. in the middle of of the tail, so he's trying to unravel a larger 
a larger mystery. And so, yes, it's good that you point that out, Kurt. Um, well, you know what else is interesting is if you look at the last page of the issue before, this doesn't yes. really make sense because he was in his costume on a boat, uh, knocked out and... In bad uh, shape. Yep. He was in bad shape, and now... So I'm a little bit... That's that's even more confusing. But... His healing factor kicked in big time. <laughs> well, I guess well, he kicks up the butt then, and then uh, was able to retrieve his clothes and swim over to this, uh, this, and this he, country. And he does make mention of that when he's walking down the street. He said that you know, it gave more time for his healing factor to keep healing his wounds from his previous battle. Okay, um, yeah. But it's kind of in passing. Oh, being dumped from a plane somewhere. Okay. Oh, I'll tell you what. The the cover is really cool. Um, that is a great cover. Um, I think it would. It's a kind of a cover that would definitely make you go, "What? I want to buy this issue." Uh, at least the composition of it. The yep. uh, the uh, the design of it, like the interior art, is just. Um, to me, not as crisp as we're used to in John Burns' art, isn't it? <laughs> no, and that's I why think that, I think it's I think a, that he's layouts. doing the layouts. Yeah. He's doing layouts. Uh, somebody else is finishing and inking together. Yeah. I believe that's... Oh, Klaus Johnson. Yep, so we see him come up on the shore. He's making comments that, you know, it could be Miami Beach. And then as he walks further, right, you, you see the... the you know the the downtrodden people and and this is not a very nice place and we've got the military throwing Molotov cocktails into the uh, journalist you know office there the newspaper office burning it and right away uh, we see La Bandera getting punched in the face by Tiger Shark she's not uh, looking too good there and he whoops her butt and he's throwing her around and with her magic staff of nationalism. <laughs> <laughs> she rallies these uh, dock workers to fight against Tiger Shark, and he basically laughs it off like, hey, more more people for me to kill. Um, you know, it doesn't bother him at all. And then she gives him a zap with her staff because now it's got some juice. Mm-hmm. Knocks him off the dock. Yep. Off the, the what she assumes to be the battlefield. Um Yep, and there's the dock workers and her are celebrating. They think they've done it, and of course, we'll, this is where we see Wolverine, right? Wait, there, you know, a guy like that, it's too too easy, girl. And sure enough, he comes flying up through the dock, uh, coming back for more. And she starts to get he he punches the staff out of her hand, and he grabs her by the shirt collar or costume, and looks like he's about to you know, send her off to her maker, and here comes Wolverine, jumps on his back, claws out, and uh, is going to town on, on Tiger Shark, and we see, we actually do see some blood on yeah. the costume. Yeah. I I was reading through this, and all of a sudden I saw that red, I was like, wait, is, is that part of his costume? No, man, that was a great detail there. Um, yeah, it's I, always one of those things with Wolverine that, you know, you don't really get to say, you know, during this time period, obviously later books show how, you know, how violent he can be and the, the brutality of his attacks. Yeah. Uh, but this was, to me, this was unusual for this time period to actually be showing blood and, and 
Tiger Shark's costume. Yeah, and you know, uh, speaking of this era, which is, this is pretty much the end of a certain type of era as we moved into the 90s with the more quote-unquote realistic costumes with leather jackets and pouches and all that. Um, I kind of say I love the fin on Char- Tiger Shark's head. <laughs> Isn't it so ridiculous? <laughs> I love it! <laughs> I think this is the largest it's ever been depicted. <laughs> it's just so... Uh, it's just, yeah, I just love the, so yeah, over like the, top. The, the over the topness of some of those costumes, kind of like Scorpion with that tail and, um, all those things from the seventies and sixties creation of these heroes or these villains or these designs, you know, heroes and villains and whatnot. So yeah, I love the, I love his fin. Yeah. So Wolverine gets flung off. Um, it looks like, you know, he didn't accomplish what he needed to and, um, Tiger Shark is approaching La Bandera again, and and now he notices that he's been injured. That Wolverine did uh, give him a couple of snicks into his side and and ripped the back of his costume where we have the water running out of it, and you know presumably, obviously, that's tied into his abilities, and he's in trouble. I was surprised by this because I was not aware that there was any sort of a a water. Uh envelope or or that that was part of tiger shark's outfit i'd never seen that before and i was there at the beginning when tiger shark was created in uh, early single digit uh, submariner issues so this this is something new but it makes sense i mean it as as the story flows it it works i think i wanted to ask you guys a question when uh, wolverine steps out of the shadows and jumps uh, tiger shark from behind did you feel that that was a, a uh, word i want not a dirty trick but uh less than ethical i don't think wolverine you know what has I'm any, i don't think wolverine has any problem uh you know with because he, he even mentioned that you know this is a deadly assassin you know like right oh top, i agree top of the heap and i think he he just saw it as the easiest way to try and get la bandera out of the trouble she oh, was look. in yep yeah mm-hmm. I just wondered, because there's a couple instances where people ambush somebody from behind in this tale. And this is the first instance where uh, it's Logan that's doing it. Uh, so Tiger Shark has to flee because his costume is torn. And, you know, we're, I guess, led to infer that, you know, that that means he's going to either lose his powers or he could die because he, he doesn't have uh, his ocean water. And... You know, La Bandera is very happy. She gives Logan a kiss on his cheek, thinking this is over. And this is when he has the conversation with her. Um, you know, basically, you know, uh, I don't want to say begging her, but, uh, you know, essentially saying, you don't know what you're doing. You're going to get a lot of people killed and a lot of people hurt. You know, you need to you need to leave. You know, I've and seen this before. I wonder if it's yeah, I wonder if it's like his connection to Kitty and the relationship that they have, you know, their friendship and all that, he's probably really worried about a young person getting involved like this. That's a good point. Yeah, I like that explanation, too. Works for me. Um, So she goes (laughs) off into the night. Um, We're not really sure, you know, if she is going to leave or not. Logan bumps into that old um, Canadian intelligence guy, and, you know, he tells him that he needs to get out of here. He doesn't know what, what he's messing with. Um you know, he's been out of the game too long. And then that's when we see Kingpin talking to uh, the president. Uh, the well, pres- Go ahead. 
before you move on, I just want to say, check out the wings on the back of that taxi. <laughs> oh, yeah, the fins on the back. The fins are something else. <laughs> I, I, I guess uh, big fins is a big thing for Mr. Byrne here. He's really got to exaggerate them. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, it's also that uh, the, the early model years, the, the 50s, the 60s, those cars still survive in that climate because they're not exposed to salt. Mm-hmm. And therefore, they they main they try to maintain and keep whatever motor vehicles they've got going. So they are many model years behind yeah. um, the, the the U.S. automakers. So whenever somebody's depicting a movie or something about Cuba or South America, it's not unusual to see things that are decades out of date yeah. as far as their their. Um, it may be a cliche. Or trope, but uh, it's it's not unusual to see that, and I that's the impression that I got. Yes. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah. So what was with all that black spot around the tower there in New York? I, that's very odd. I didn't. Right. Know I wasn't sure if that was a cloud or that was supposed to be a fire, um, or a reference to the twin towers. Or he um, spilled a pot of ink. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It, 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 it caught my eye too, but I didn't worry too much about it. It didn't seem to be much of an issue. I got the impression that when this uh, ex-CIA agent Jack Bascom shows up, I don't know why, but I immediately flash to the the Daniel Craig movie Quantum of Solace Hmm. when when he's uh, in some Middle Eastern country and interacting with some CIA types including Felix Leader. It just it brought that, that whole sequence in the bar back to mind. Okay. Yeah, and I will, you know, I just, since we're on this page, I'll just say I had a hard time with those two panels. His face looks chubby and round when he's further away, and there's hardly any detail. And then when we see him up close, he doesn't look chubby. You know, he's got Ooh. a 5 o'clock shadow. The, the oh, Canadian the CIA. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, I agree one of those weird you know burn, i don't think burn would do that yeah yeah i'm the artwork klaus jansen's inks are just really scratchy on this i'm so sometimes move, not yeah Good. so we move on to kingpin he's smoking his trademark big cigar the president's you know the the president's chewing him out not our president but um el presidente el presidente um, is chewing him out because he doesn't like that Tiger Shark is there and what's he doing? He's messing up this guy's plans because he's trying to create his own superhero. Um, and Kingpin basically just like brushes him off, like whatever. And just you know, you, we get the the panel there where he just turns the TV off on him, you know, or ends the call and uh, walks back into Doctor Doom and Magneto and Red Skull, which is a horrible, horribly drawn panel. Just yeah. no detail. Magneto looks like a like a woman, quite honestly. Oh, in terms of uh, the cape and yeah, and the physical it, proportions yeah. just look odd. Well, I think this is the shorthand in all the books when they're trying to do a, a reference to the meeting room. <coughs> the basic concept. Well, Byrne did the layout, so he knows what this room is supposed to look like. But it's basically just six doors, mystical doors that are in this octagon-shaped room or, or hexagon-shaped room, and each door leads from the, the villain's headquarters 
to this meeting room. So you pass through the door and you can go instantly from one place to another. Right. But nobody realizes exactly where this is located yet. I wanted to point out on this page, right in the middle, when uh, Kingpin is turning off the video, look over to the extreme left, the monitor that's half cut off. Is that the Unisphere that uh, we see there? I think uh, Scott Gardner would be very interested about this because he's got a thing for the Unisphere in the New York City World's Fair. So, could be. So we, either that, it's the Daily Planet. Yeah, <laughs> could be. <laughs> So we move on to El Presidente here. Man, he pounds his fist on the, the video monitor and laments to Geist about all of his problems. And he's got a migraine. And Geist says, you know, I'll give you a cut and uh, or a shave. I'm sorry. I I thought he was going to give him a cut. Cause I did, too. He flips open the switchblade like, I'm going to give you a shave out of him. And like, not with that, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and our researchers come in and they're, they're talking about right, this. Miracle Cocaine, which I'm like, oh, gosh, this book just reeks of late 80s, right? You know. Get out of here, Dewey. What are y'all doing in here? It's called cocaine, and you don't want no part of this shit. Cocaine? What's it do? It turns all your bad feelings into good feelings. It's a nightmare. I'm thinking maybe I'd like to try me some of that cocaine. Miracle oh, cocaine. Don Johnson showing up in his T-shirt. Oh my gosh! Do do do. They're all wearing white jackets. <laughs> oh, so that's where we get the explanation where the the researchers are saying, uh, you know, we we don't really know. We think maybe this place was bombarded by stars. Other people believe that, you know, a mighty god died in this area, and that's what's creating this um, uh, miracle cocaine. But what's weird is that once it grows then it won't nothing grows again there and uh el presidente really doesn't care he just wants a super soldier uh or superhero and um he's happy with his shave and then we get at the bottom right panel on page 961 of the omnibus we see wolverine in his costume with his headgear on with his his uh top on and the next page shows us him, or shows us him busting through the open window and flinging Geist against the wall, letting him know that he's there for a little payback and and that you know there's a lot of other people that are probably in line for that as well, and you know drives one claw, he's just got one out and he drives it right through his uh, robotic hand, kathunk. I love I that never he started seen. off by blowing a cloud of smoke in his face yeah. before he <laughs> trashes him. <laughs> I didn't know anything about Geist before this. Uh, he's apparently an ongoing, continuing character. And I I guess uh, the way that this arc plays out, he's becomes the chief villain. But um, I wanted to back up a, a page or yeah. two when they do the, uh, the explanation of the cocaine. And we have the depiction of a possible uh, Aztec god. Yep. Does anybody recognize that that character? Mm -mm. Have we seen him before? I've only run into a couple of instances of Aztec gods, and one was in the X-Men, about X-Men 25. I can't recall the character's name, but I sure. wondered if this was a reference to him. Uh, but it's not important. Keep going. I don't recognize him. Mm -mm. Uh, we got our first look at Roundhouse here. 
and uh, he's not looking too good. He's got these developing sores on his face, which I didn't rec- I didn't realize until like they told us in the text that that's what it was. It just looked like bumps to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're not really colored very well to to make you believe that these are actually like sores or or open wounds um, that are happening to him because of them giving giving him the uh, the miracle cocaine. Um, we get our uh, inter- uh, first uh, Sister Salvation here appearance in the book, and uh, the Presidente wants her help because she has some kind of mutant ability or power that allows her to heal people. And he basically blackmails her into uh, using her powers on, on uh, Roughhouse uh, so that she can see her son again, or their son. Flip the page, we see La Bandera. She's assembled, you know, a, a group of, of people, looks like some soldiers as well, that are uh, rallying to the cause. Uh, as we see Wolverine and Geist going through the sewer system or those tunnels, uh, if Wolverine explains to Geist, you know, I did some digging into you and I found out, right, that you worked for Hitler, that, you know, you're uh, escaping war crimes was to, to bring these German scientists and uh, oh yeah by the way since then you've been working you know some uh, some uh, questionable CIA operations as well as working for you know these dictators and he looks really old yep he's an <clears throat> impressive got an impressive resume right such terrific references right <laughs> right <laughs> uh, he leads him into the bottom of the hospital where we find out that they actually have desalinization technology because they're they're using the water or the ocean water and they are desalinizing it. And then we see Tiger Shark. That's where he's been recuperating since his fight with Wolverine. And he jumps Wolverine uh, and pulls him into the water off the catwalk. And, of course, this was all Geist's plan. And we see Wolverine and Tiger Shark tumbling around, uh, battling in the water. And Wolverine, of course, is saying, you know, he's got to end this because he can't hold his breath forever. Um, and so he's going through the pipe, comes out the other, other end of the pipe, and thinks he's going to get away. And, and Tiger Shark grabs his leg or foot and pulls him back. And that is the end of the issue. Yeah. Now, I know he's going for the, I'm showing you that it's underwater, but um, it's too bad that this battle scene is so murky. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's with the uh, cross hatching or whatever those dots are that they used. Is that Zipatone? Zipatone, yep. The Zipatone to make it look like it's in the shadowy depths of the murkiness. Um, it just, it's hard. It's too bad because it's some, it looks like some really good designs here. On that one page where they're fighting, uh, even though tar- Tiger Shark can talk underwater. Yeah, well, and and we'll find out in the next issue that Wolverine finds that very unnerving because nobody else could do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I agree with you. This is a tricky one because you you want to get that sense that they're fighting or Wolverine's fighting basically in the dark um, mm. because they're so far down in the water, and you know they're. They're tumbling through the water, and Wolverine is trying to escape for his life um, because he can't hold his breath forever. And 
and uh, he he doesn't get away. Mm-hmm. I like the uh, the layout, especially that last page, <clears throat> the sense of uh, distance and desperation, and the fact that he almost gets away, and then that yeah. arm reaching up from snagging his ankle and pulling mm-hmm. him back down. I thought that worked really well. Um, good, good cliffhanger. Nicely paced. And this is a, a meaty read too. This issue 19. It takes a while to read this one because there is a lot of text. Not Claremontian level amount of text. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you, you know, you got your dollars dollar fifty worth in this one. Not not so much on the art side, but you know, in in the the story that's being told, you you get a lot of of reading, so you're not going to whip through this one in in three or four minutes. Yeah, and like Kirk said, I mean, this was, you know, smack, almost smack dab in the middle of a of a lengthy story arc already. Um, so it was it was really progressing the main story along. I think Byrne probably had to get he had the story plan out, and they're like, oh, we're going to do this thing. You've got to you've got to make it tie in somehow. <laughs> um, Kind of like when Kirk and Kirk and I were talking earlier, just chatting a little bit, and I was like, "Yeah, it's kind of like Crisis on Infinite Earths when they're like, oh, it's a company-wide crossover. Everything has to be tied in.' And um, you open up a book, and it says Crisis tie tie-in or Crisis crossover on the the cover, and you look in, and it's like the heroes pointing up and saying, "Oh, look, the skies are red. I wonder what that means." <laughs> right. And then the story continues on. <laughs> Here we got a full page of it, though. So, yeah. <laughs> And as I recall, that's the only connection that we see in in these two issues to Acts of Vengeance, that it's going on and that he's a participant. So, Well, that'll do it for issue 19, and we'll just go around the horn here and let everybody give kind of their opinion of of this book now that we've gone through it. Um, John, why don't you go first? What What did you think, you know, overall? Is this kind of middle of the road for you better than middle of the road well you know Wolverine's not one of my favorite characters I liked him in the original part of the X-Men when it wasn't everything Wolverine Um, (laughs) before it became a Wolverine show yeah yeah before it became Wolverine and the (laughs) X-Men but I do you know so I had to set that aside so that I could read this and not be clouded by that and uh Looking at it as part of the whole story, I like his storytelling here. I mean, I think he has a really interesting concept, and a, and he does carry the, you know, I had to go back and read it. Read At first, I just read the two issues, and I was like, wait, there's more to this, so let me find out what's going on. So I had to read the first and, and complete the story. And the whole story itself is a, you know, a well-plotted, and he, he does definitely carry you through the book. Even though it was a little bit longer, like like was said, um, I didn't feel like I was slogging through the the story. Right. Um, I'm just not as impressed with the artwork. I don't like Klaus Janssen's inks on um, over this. So, uh, uh, and I understand he's you know he did breakdowns or layouts or and whatever that means. Um, you can see some of the burnisms in some of the art, some of the faces particularly. Um, I think a lot of the burnisms are lost in the in the details that we're used to getting right. in the backgrounds from him. Uh, but there are definitely different facial structures that you're like, yeah, I see that's John Burns' art. 
Um, but overall, no, you know, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting book and a lot of good details. I think, I think he, ex- I think the better parts are the actual fights between Tiger Shark and Wolverine for me. Kirk, I pretty much I'm in agreement with what John said. I can see the the burn uh, art in the layouts. Um, the the I agree with him. The inking is doesn't do do it any favors. I don't mind the zip tone though. I you know it may look a little murky or be a little dated now, but uh, I like that part of it. Um, I didn't particularly care for being beat over the head with all the Central American uh, right. cliches tropes and right. But this is supposed to be set there, and so that's how they convey it. And so for what it is, hey, okay, I would not have bought it off the rack, and I didn't. Um, but for this assignment, it's a it's an okay first first issue setup, um, you know, in, in, for the story. I like the cover. I like the next cover. Uh, I using uh, Paul's uh, yardstick. Will, does this make me want to pick up the next issue? Yes, yes, it mm-hmm. does. So uh, it works for me. I'd agree with my fellow doctors. You know, there there are some low points in this book, um, and and the high points really are the battle scenes with Wolverine. Um, don't come to this one for the art. Uh, I, I think we can't <laughs> overstate that enough. I mean, it's serviceable, right? I mean, it's serviceable, but not not great. Um, my my uh, yardstick is always would I recommend someone to read this, and I would say no. Unless, I'm with you on that. You know, unless you really are wanting to read the complete acts of vengeance from beginning to end, you, or you're a diehard Wolverine fan, uh, um, that'd be the only reasons you'd want to read this. Outside of that, it's not a spectacular issue. It's just okay. And uh, that'll lead us into our next show uh, coming soon, which will be Wolverine number 20 which is the second part in our Acts of Vengeance in the Wolverine books. And I will also be joined again by John and Kirk. But that'll do it for today. Go ahead. In the meantime, if you want to write and tell us why we're wrong, uh, (laughs) just just go to uh, gottagetburned at gmail.com or the Facebook page for Third Degree Burn. And share your thoughts, please, because we we always appreciate some feedback and maybe we overlooked something or, or misinterpreted something. So let us know. Agreed. Agreed. I'm, I'm sure we're wrong about something. Someone's going to tell us that, oh, yeah, that's the the Aztec god Kakakutui. And uh, we've seen him in <laughs> these different issues. All right. Well, for uh, Third Degree Burn, uh, I'm David. And we're signing off. Say goodnight, John. Good night. Goodbye. So long. Farewell. <laughs> Kirk, we'll see a- you soon. <laughs> Bye, Roy. Wolverine. Cool guy. Everybody's favorite. Wolverine. Favorite X-Man. Look, I've been going over your file, and I've made the decision to fire you because you are worthless. What? You're worthless, and you're fired. Fired? Let's add listening to your already impressive list of skills. I'll put it right next to um, made of metal... The substance that the guy we fight the most can manipulate with his mind. But I've got these. Yes. Very impressive. Also made of metal, but I guess handy. For all those fights where you can get 
right next to the person you need to attack. This is your power. That's it. You flail. I'm pretty important to this team, bub. Okay. Let's say Magneto is on one side of a bridge and he's killing a lot of people. Like, a lot. And we arrive on the other side of the bridge. I'm gonna run at him. You're gonna run at Magneto. I'm very fast. Okay, even if you're very fast, still gonna take you quite a while. A couple minutes. That's what? Three dozen people dead? Or storm, fly over two seconds, suck him into a hurricane. Problem solved. I, I have a motorcycle. Maybe I'd ride that. What is a motorcycle made of? Tubes. I'm sorry, you say tubes? Glass and tubes. I can really feel you picturing a motorcycle and trying. It's made of med... Met, metal. 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 It's made of metal. It's made of metal, which magnetically can twist and bend and throw you off the bridge, and now you're f***ing dead. I'm very useful to the team. I guess, when you're not off somewhere having harrowing visions of your origin. Oh, where did I come from? Where did I come from, though? No, no you're not hearing me. No one gives a hot sh But where did I come from? Get a journal, Logan. You're gonna have to find gainful employment somewhere else. But what will I do? Where do I go? I don't really give a sh if I had my way, you and Beast would be over at the airport sniffing bags for the TSA. It's one of your things, isn't it? I can smell really far. That does not help us. You do not help us. I have a motorcycle. Wolverine, I'm going to write you a prescription um, for an antipsychotic that I'd like you to take. I have a motorcycle. You're fired. I'd kill you with my mind, but it doesn't feel right. Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S.com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and Burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gottagetburned at gmail.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-G-E-T-B-Y-R-N-E-D at gmail.com. Drop us a line and tell us how we're doing. Till next time, this has been Third Degree Burn. Some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn.